Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And I am thrilled to tell you today that finally, finally, (laughs) uh, after far too long, um, my book is going to be coming out. I'm going to be leaving uh, for September 11th, going to New York for September 11th for the launch. It's called Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. Now, I'm going to be telling you about the book, and I'm going to be telling you um, about (laughs) how terrorism is driving uh, our kids crazy, and yes, I know that that's a strong word, but uh, causing problems in our kids. I'm trying to get your attention to this because far too many parents, now this this is for you, is uh, if you are a parent, obviously, if you're a grandparent, if you're a teacher... Um, if you're a kid, <laughs> or if you ever think about that one day you want to have kids, uh, because this is like a really serious problem, and um, something has to be done about it. Now, I'm going to be talking to you, first of all, about why that is, um, and how terrorism is like sex. That'll get you to listen, right? Uh, and then I'm going to be talking about, are terrorists crazy?, and I'm going to be talking about um, a, a, an essentially a natural experiment that was done to um, describe and document the impact of terrorist attacks on kids. I mean, a recent study. I'm not talking about 9-11. I'm talking about um, just this year, actually, the attacks in uh, the U.K. So we know um, the, that there is an impact on attacks, not just by people who uh, were there at the site of the attack, but on people who just watched it on TV. We actually know that since 9-11 because uh, obviously most of the people in the United States and, of course, all over the rest of the world were not there, um, but uh, there is an ongoing impact nonetheless. But let me, let me start um, telling you about my book, which I am thrilled to be able to bring out because um, I have been doing my own little study <laughs> Uh, asking people if they have children, you know, just people who I meet uh, on the street um, and, or in other places in everyday life and asking them if they have kids or if I know that they do, asking them if they have talked to their children about terrorism. Now, whether these are people I know or literally somebody just on the street, I get essentially the same answer. And that is, they look down at the ground, they look sheepish, uh, they sort of shrug their shoulders, and they say no. And this is for kids who are, uh, maybe their kids are just, you know, three or four, maybe they're 12, Um, whatever age the kids are, uh, parents have not been talking to their children about it. And... You know, when I ask why, the answer is, um, well, you know, we don't want to scare our kids or we don't want to have to talk about such horrible things 
uh, answers in, in that general genre. Now, that's all great, you know, I, I agree it is horrendous that we, and tragic and sad and upsetting that we do have to talk to our kids about terrorism. In other words, um, upsetting that terrorism exists. It's not, you know, the fact that we have to talk to them about it is because terrorism exists and because it's not going away any time in our lifetime. It will hopefully at some point get under better control. But as you know from listening to the news, um, this is not happening. And uh, not yet. I mean, um, and if you're listening from the United States, uh, yes, we have been fairly fortunate. I mean, other than, of course, 9-11. But since then, there have been attacks. Um, there... You know, we have longer periods of time. We have had longer periods of time in between. But clearly the trend <laughs> towards of terrorist attacks is going upwards more frequently um, because nowadays you don't have to figure out how to build a bomb. Uh, you just have to have a car that you can rent, a, a van or a truck or is even better, and you can just rent it. So the danger, in other words, of terror attacks is growing daily. And we, as I started to say, you know, yes, um, it hasn't been quite as bad in, in this, these past couple of years in the United States. Of course, there was Orlando that had a huge uh, number of casualties. Um, and before that, the big one, of course, was the Boston Marathon, even though there weren't as many casual, well, there weren't as many killed, there were certainly a lot of casualties. So, um, at San Bernardino, California, you know, it is happening here too, but in Europe, it has gotten in these past two years totally out of control. So if you think, if you're listening to this in America, if you think it's not going to be happening here more, well, <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you the news that it is. And in any case, even if, you know, if by some miracle we manage to go another year without any major attack, which would be wonderful, your kids um, are seeing attacks on television. Whether they're in Spain, like uh, this past week, or whether they're in London or Manchester or uh, Germany or Belgium, uh, wherever the, the terror attacks are happening, it gets on the news. And um, your kids, I'm, I'm going to be speaking, you know, often I'm going to be saying your kids, but obviously I mean if you're a grandparent or a teacher or anybody who cares about kids, if you have any kids in your life who you care about, this is super important because what's happening is that um, kids, uh, this is why, you know, why I say terrorism is like sex. Terrorism is like sex in the sense that when we were growing up, um, and yes, this varies according to what kind of family you grew up in, but on the whole, on the average, um, before parents have the birds and the bees talk, which is usually far later than they should because they're feeling awkward, I mean, and that's the, that's the similarity. It's because sex and terrorism are taboo topics that parents feel, and grandparents and teachers, all adults, grown-ups, feel awkward talking about. And so when kids um, have or are finally given the birds and the bees talk, 
they have, they already know something about sex. Um, for example, they could have been with you in a movie theater and you've, you're watching a movie and you didn't really expect it to be, uh, to have a, you know, someone naked in the movie or a sex scene in the movie and you, there it is. And um, kids, little kids, are confused about that. And if you do something like put your hand over their eyes or they say, what's that, mommy, <laughs> daddy? Um, and you say, oh, well, you don't have to know about that until later. You know, this is something I'll, talk to, I'll tell you about it later. Well, so what happens? First of all, the kids get the impression that this is something that you don't want to talk about. You're not comfortable talking about. Uh, this is something forbidden. This is something bad. Um, and, and so what do they do? They, if they find out that mommy and daddy won't talk to them about it, they ask maybe an old, older sibling or they ask their friends. And um, they, they get answers from these kids, these other kids, uh, that will be even more confusing because the other kids don't really understand terrorism either or sex, as we're talking about. They don't understand all the details of sex, depending upon their age. Um, and even then, you know, even teens don't really know about sex. Um, and even though they may be engaging in it far too early, but that's a topic for another show. Um, so, so what happens is the kids get more confused. They feel embarrassed. They feel they're not supposed to ask. And, um, and, they, and they, they get all this misinformation. So it's the same thing with terrorism. They're seeing, you know, instead of sex scenes in the movies that suddenly come up, they're seeing um, news reports. With people. They're seeing bodies in the streets. Um, they're seeing numbers. They're seeing cars that rammed into these people. They're seeing explosions. They're seeing um, ISIS, pictures of ISIS, scary, really scary pictures of ISIS in the Middle East, you know, um, marching in a group with their flags and all of that. The whole thing is very scary. So we can't do anything about making ISIS less scary as far as actually changing ISIS, but we can do something about how our children are presented with terrorism, how, what they come to learn about it and how and how they can digest it in a way that's not so scary to them. And, um, and that is primarily with, um, by having a, a, a caring adult explain it all to them. But that's been the problem. The problem is that caring adults don't know how to have this conversation. I mean, at least by now, there are books. We know we can go into bookstores and uh, get books about the birds and the bees and how to talk to your kids about the birds and the bees. Um, but there are not, until, until now, until my book, <laughs> Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror, uh, until now there has not been any book that helps parents or teachers and so on, grown-ups, talk, talk, have that conversation, not just, not just the birds and the bees, you know, terrorism conversation, but how to answer their questions about terrorism and how to, um, how to notice. One of the important things that I write about in the book is how parents can recognize, again, grown-ups can recognize um, that their children are having ill effects 
from what they know about terrorism. It's, um, it's a little easier, actually, to tell that than the ill effects of what they know about sex. Uh, you don't see that until later. Anyhow, I digress. That, that, is, that is for a later, another show. But, but as far as terrorism, um, I, in the book I do have uh, some answers to the typical questions that kids ask about sex. And what the book is, the first half of the book is written for grown-ups. It um, looks at, uh, it helps grown-ups to first of all confront their own feelings about terrorism. Because before you can talk to a child, you have to be aware of your own feelings about terrorism. Uh, because otherwise, if you're telling a child one thing and you're really feeling something else, they are going to be picking up on it. For example, if you tell your child, eh, terrorism, don't worry about it, it's far away, it won't affect your life, um, I'm not worried, I'm not scared, it's okay, these, these attacks happen once in a blue moon, um, and, and really deep down you are feeling scared, they are going to pick up on that scared feeling that you have, and now they're scared of two things, terrorism and the fact that they can't trust this grown-up. So we need to take a break. We'll, I will come back and tell, talk to you more about this and why it's so important uh, and how you can, what you can do to help children face the world that we live in today. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, uh, giving you sort of a sneak preview about my book called Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. Um, I'm talking about it because I'm going to be leaving uh, next week for, uh, for New York to uh, do a launch of this book, of course, in time for 9-11. Now, um, in case I haven't convinced you yet about the importance of talking to your child about terrorism in a nice, calm, comforting environment uh, like your home 
more like a classroom, um, and with, you know, bit by bit pieces, finding out first what they know. I mean, of course, this is all going to be, this is going to depend upon um, what, how old your child is. The book is primarily for kids from 5 to 12, although, you know, it can be um, for a little older as well. But the main uh, audience is 5 to 12, the main readership. And um, in case I haven't convinced you, I'm going to tell you now about what uh, the natural experiment revealed in the UK about the impact on uh, terrorism, the terror attacks, the recent attacks on their kids. And then I will come back at the, I'll talk to you about um, terrorists and are they crazy and so on. And then in the last, uh, segment of the show, I will tell you a little bit more about the book, uh, a real sneak peek. So, okay, let's talk about the UK. Now, there was uh, the, a group of psychiatrists called the Royal College of Psychiatrists in the UK did a study after the attacks in Manchester and London. And they found that there was an increase of 10% uh, in in terms of the number of children seeking help after these attacks. The Manchester concert attack, as you'll remember, happened on May 22nd. They killed 22 people. He killed, it was one terrorist, who killed 22 people and injured many more. And then in June and July, this College of Psychiatrists did this study. And they found that there were hundreds more patients who came to the greater Manchester hospitals. And um, the really interesting thing is that of these patients, uh, which was a 10% increase, just a small fraction of them had actually attended the concert. Most of these children who were going for help saw news of the concert and um, the devastation. They weren't even there. They weren't, <laughs> they weren't near it. Um, and yet, well, they were in Manchester, at least in these figures, but there were similar figures in London. So similarly, for both of them, even though um, the people who were asking for help, the majority of them were not actually at the site, they were having psychological problems. Now, most of them complained about anxiety and insomnia, And, of course, anxiety would include uh, PTSD. That's a kind of anxiety disorder. And and, and these numbers, this 10% increase, didn't include children who sought help through their school or volunteer services or didn't come for help yet. In other words, this was right after um, the incidents, the attacks. And so um, you can actually... PTSD can manifest immediately or weeks after or months after or years after. And it it can take that time for children to put it into words. In other words, they could be having the symptoms sooner, but um, for them to be able to connect it for you, that this is connected to the attack, um, can take them a while. So in other words, these numbers don't include all the children who have been impacted by these attacks. Now, the Manchester um, attack is particularly important to think about because, um, as you probably remember, 
the concert was um, of the singer Ariana Grande. Now, Ariana Grande is a popular singer um, and with kids, you know, with kids of all ages, really. Um, And so when they heard the news on television or on the radio or on the Internet, when they saw the name or heard the name Ariana Grande, their ears perked up. What happened to Ariana Grande? What's going on? Now, (laughs) that's when um, grown-ups would be faced or were faced with the kinds of questions um, that kids want to know about terrorism. And, and these are the kinds of things that I address in my book. Um, but, you know, going back to what I was talking about at the beginning, this idea of thinking uh, because it's uncomfortable and because terrorism is so awful, I'm not going to talk to my kids about it. They don't have to know it's too scary. That doesn't work. Because um, they get to see these things. They might not tell you because just like I was saying about how it's like sex, they might not tell you because they get the message from you that it's taboo to ask you these questions, but uh, they are feeling upset and confused and so on. And um, that's one of the things that I talk about in the first half of the book that's for grown-ups. I talk about how parents can recognize signs in their children, symptoms, Um, things that will uh, show them that, in fact, they have been affected or, you know, from whatever they saw on television or heard about or or had a relative or a friend have someone who was actually more uh, connected to the attack. Um, However it is that the children find out about it, it's, you know, they... they (laughs) The first thing to recognize is that they do, just like with sex, they do know more then the parent assumes or the grown-up assumes um, uh, when they have this birds and the bees talk about terrorism, just like with birds and the bees talk about sex. So, um, now, so getting back to the UK and this, and this study, um, they, the reason why there is now, and, and this goes for the US too, of course, the reason why there is um, so much of a so much more, actually, than 9-11, so much more of an impact, uh, so much more likelihood that kids are going to find out about these things is because um, kids consume more media through their smartphones. More kids have smartphones <laughs> that are glued to their ear, and um, they, they find out about all these things uh, through that as well. And also, you know, before bedtime, they can, you know, play on their, on their smartphone before bed, and no wonder they have problems sleeping, right? And then, um, you know, here the kids are uh, on their own in their bedroom, listening and looking at the things that are in the news and feeling frightened, and in most cases, not talking to their parents about it. So... Um, so, uh, so, so, for example, again, in England, there was a 10-year-old boy who complained about anxiety related to ins- having insomnia because he was feeling anxious. And he was worrying about his father who works in London because this is right after the London attack. He was afraid that his father would get caught in a terror attack. And then he was also scared that his relatives would be harmed or he himself would be harmed if he went to a busy event or place or if his family did. Another example of uh, a particular 
child, what a particular child said, is a nine-year-old girl who asked her teacher, why do they hate us so much that they want to kill us and kill themselves as well? Now, that's another example of a question that I answer in my book. Uh, This little girl wanted to know, is school safe? Is it safe to be on the playground? What would we do if someone wanted to attack us? These are all questions that kids are thinking, even though they might not be saying it out loud. And if they do say it out loud, um, so many parents, because they're so uncomfortable themselves, so frightened themselves about terrorism, they, they brush off the question, or they give a really um, unsatisfying answer. Uh, you know, like, like, you don't need to know about it, you don't have to worry about this, we're all going to be okay. Uh, now, I'm not saying, and I certainly don't write in my book, everybody should be worried and hide under the covers. Um, but I do say that, you know, I talk a lot about the positive things, like the first responders and who's out there helping us, the CIA, the FBI, um, the government are all out there every day trying to protect us. I talk about all of the positives. Um, and then I also talk in the book about 10 things that kids can do to make themselves feel safer in a world where there are, is terrorism. So, uh, and it's not about buying duct tape. It's things they can incorporate in their life to feel stronger and more resilient. I, I tell adults and kids... Um, that you need to, and I'm telling you, you need to think about terrorism as if it was a marathon, as if you were practicing to run a marathon. What would you do if you were going to run a marathon in six months? You would start making yourself healthier, first of all, physically healthier, and you would, um, of course, practice running, <laughs> Um, and you would take vitamins, and you would get a lot of sleep, and and, um, you would address, you would go to a doctor, a family doctor, and uh, get yourself checked out to make sure you don't have any physical problems, and if you do, to address them, to treat them. And then the same thing psychologically. You need to, um, first of all, look at whether you have any kind of underlying um, psychological problems. If you're already anxious or already depressed or um, have any other kind of underlying psychological problem, then you need to get treatment because, um, because the point is just like this marathon that your hypothetical marathon that you're practicing for six months from now, it's a hypothetical, it's not just a hypothetical terror attack. It is currently, actually, living under the constant stress of hearing about terrorism every day. It doesn't have to be an attack in your backyard. You just have to hear about terrorism, terrorism, terrorism. And if you're not hearing the word terrorism in the news um, every day, I don't know, you must be under a rock. So even when we hear about attacks that are far away, It is still putting stress on us. Unconsciously, we are feeling stressed. And um, and that is having an impact on us psychologically and an impact on us physically as well. So whether you're a child or an adult, these things are true. But for a child, it's even more true that if they don't understand what is going on, again, at the level, um, the psychological and the chronological level, 
that they are at um, because I because I talk about uh, you know do, talking to the talking to your kids about this in in small bites. But if they if they are confused about this or have misinformation about this, they are going to be a lot more stressed. Well, we've come to another break, um, so I will uh, have to take it. And uh, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist uh, host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about the release of my new book called Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. Now, it is coming out for uh, this year's anniversary of 9-11. I've been working on it for the last couple of years. Um, and it is a uh, book that is meant, it is the only, first and only <laughs> book that is uh, actually about terrorism for kids. In other words, it's not a little story about, um, you know, a family who, um, who you know, uh, heard about a terrorist attack. It's actually um, what is terrorism? What is a terrorist? Um, why do they want to kill us or hurt us? Um, you know, it goes into all that, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a bit. But um, and and the, so that's in the second section. With the the first section is for grown-ups, and that explains as I was st- say, starting to say about uh, helping grown-ups recognize signs in their children that they are really affected by not just uh, not just um, you know it doesn't have to be if there was an attack anywhere near you. Um, it's just seeing and hearing about terrorist attacks in the media. And um, so that is, you know, making, uh, having a psychological impact on kids, which is why uh, you need, as a grown-up, to be able to recognize what are some of the signs that um, your child is having these issues. How can you get them to tell you about it? What can you do about it? Which kids need professional help and which kids are just okay with you talking to them about it? 
and answering their questions. And I go into all of that, and that's in the first part for the grown-ups. And then the second part is a picture book, a regular picture book for kids answering questions like, as I started to say, what is a terrorist? Um, Why do terrorists want to hurt us? Um, What's a domestic terrorist? Talking about how terrorists uh, radicalize people through the computer, uh, you know, which is really important for kids to know these days because, I mean, um, we, we know about high school kids, high school girls especially, being uh, radicalized, seeing a cute terrorist on the other side of the computer who wants to marry them, right? And they think it's all romantic, and um, they get a plane ticket and go to Syria or Iraq or wherever, and then they meet the harsh reality. I mean, you know, I presume that you have heard the stories of these things actually happening. So we need to let our kids know about these things. Uh, But also, as I said before, the positive things, the people who are working to protect us, foiling plots, uh, the first responders, and so on. Now, what's important to understand is and how to think about this is that a terror attack is like a flu epidemic. Those people who have underlying respiratory problems will be more impacted by a flu epidemic. In other words, if your child, let's say, has asthma um, and they get exposed to the flu, they're more vulnerable to it, so they will have uh, or likely get a more serious flu themselves. Similarly, in regard to terrorism, kids who have underlying psychological problems will be most affected by the stress of terrorism. Um, They will, you know, again, whether it's nowhere near you, not in your country even, but they hear about this. Because remember, when kids see things on television or the, the Internet, on a computer, wherever the child is and they are seeing these things, it's as if that attack that they're watching is in their living room or in their bedroom or in their car. Wherever it is that they're watching this, it's right there. And especially the younger the children are, the less they're able to tell the difference between something that would be, let's say, a violent movie or a violent television show, a drama, um, from a real terror attack. So the whole thing, which is why, um, you know, which is why also kids become more fearful when they see a lot of violent media. Um, But it's particularly if it's in the news and they... You know, and, and they're told, they understand it is a terror attack, and they don't really understand what a terror attack is, other than that there are a lot of dead people lying in the street. That's a problem. So I am providing families with a way to talk about it that doesn't scare the pants off the kids and um, helps them to understand this in an age-appropriate way and... Um, so that they can so that they can be prepared, you know, like I was talking about with the marathon, so that they can get psychologically and physically uh, strong as well, resilient um, for whether they ever get anywhere near a terror attack in their life, they certainly will be getting near television sets <laughs> that have terror attacks on them. Um, let me just tell you, let's see, I, I've been talking. Hmm. <laughs> I've been talking so much about this, um, but these are important things, uh, especially you know the example that we have, this recent example of the kids in the UK who have been very much impacted by 
uh, attacks and um, and have thought, I mean, it's great that there's the positive thing here is that these kids, these figures, this 10% increase in children seeking mental health help after these uh, attacks is a positive in a sense because at least it shows that there is uh, getting to be less stigma and more availability. There's more of a recognition that children um, need to be you know, need help in these kinds of things. It's, you know, it's, tell you the truth, as you well know, I'm sure it's not just the kids, it's adults too. It's not like, um, you know, of course, uh, and particularly as 9-11 approaches, people who had PTSD, and it could be just from watching it, the attack over and over and over again on television, and you know we all did, right? Um, not only while it was happening, but then there were all these movies afterwards um, that we all watched because, you know, we're glued to it. It was such a horrible tragedy. And, and then the first responders even who became ill and all of that. Um, so so, you, so when I, as 9-11 comes, um, people who have had some, some degree of PTSD, um, when it occurred, or uh, they will have these feelings, their anxiety triggered, but as we get closer to 9-11 and we start hearing more and seeing more um, in the media about it. So um, let me just tell you also about the, another aspect of craziness that is generated by, um, by terrorists. Uh, and that is uh, the question, are terrorists crazy? Um, uh, you may have heard the term loon wolf. Uh, that refers to a lone wolf, a lone wolf terrorist, where there was some suspicion of mental illness. Now, the question is, does somebody have to be crazy to be a terrorist? Are all terrorists crazy? This is like asking if all murderers are crazy. Do you have to be crazy to kill somebody? Uh, you know, I'm not, ta- not terrorists, just in general. Um, and so many murderers try to claim an insanity defense. And if they, this is hard to prove, but they, because they have to meet the requirement of, the law says, at the time of the crime, the person was so impaired by mental disease or defect that they did not know the nature or quality of the act, or if they did know, they couldn't tell right from wrong. So now, at first, when we look at terrorists, it doesn't seem like they would fit the insanity defense because because they do know what they're doing. They do know that society thinks that it's wrong. They typically shout Allahu Akbar, um, and they seem to take great pleasure in killing and injuring strangers. They're on a mission to please their God. Um, you know, this is because terrorists have distorted, um, rad- have distorted Islam and turned it into radical Islamist, uh, in, in, to become radical Islamists. And so... Um, they've distorted the religion to get people to um, think that their God will be pleased if they commit these terrorist acts, and they're going to be going to heaven and getting 72 virgins. So they are willing to, um, to even risk their life, even become suicide bombers, and so on, in order to get this great, what they consider a greater good. So in, in, those, in most cases, they would not fit the insanity defense uh, like murderers have to do in, for regular kinds of crimes. But then what about people with real mental illness who are lured into terrorism 
because they're vulnerable to terrorist propaganda and brainwashing. Because people with severe mental illness, and I'm talking primarily about people with manic depressive illness or schizophrenia, um, they are stereotyped. They're marginalized by society. They have trouble with reality testing because they're psychotic. And they are much more vulnerable to terrorist propaganda. So they are more likely, um, or they have this, this, I'm not trying to say that all... <laughs> Certainly not saying all mentally ill people are terrorists by any means, um, but they are more vulnerable if they were to be um, if if terrorists were to try to radical terrorists know who to hone in on, and there are various um, criteria that they you know look at that the terrorists look at it. And um, seeing someone who doesn't have many friends, doesn't have good reality testing, you know, this, they, they recognize that these are people they could kind of um, capture, you know, brainwash. The second kind of um, problem with, that people have who are mentally ill that make them uh, lured into terrorism is because they may have delusions um, that they incorporate into their psychosis because they're exposed to the same media that we are. So in other words, um, they hear every day about terrorism and they, um, the delusions of psychotic people, mentally ill people, are often influenced by what is actually going on in the world, uh, or at least their world, at the time. And so, you know, it is not um, unusual uh, for them to incorporate, you know, things that they... So in other words, like, if a person is hearing voices... Um, oftentimes they really don't know who the voices are coming from, but um, they could become susceptible to the delusion that the voices are coming from terrorists who are um, telling them to commit attacks. So in other words, one is, the first part that I explained was um, mentally ill people who are more vulnerable to the propaganda of terrorists, real terrorists who radicalize them. And the second group is, ter- is mentally ill people who, on their own, incorporate some of the delusions um, uh, as if they are being controlled by or um, told to do things by command hallucinations, uh, told to do things by terrorists. Though in, the, in those cases, the terrorists are imaginary, you know. Um, and in the first uh, case, it is real terrorists who are really trying to radicalize them. Well, when we come back, I'll talk more. I'm, I'm going to tell you about a terrorist that you know, <laughs> that you have heard about in any case, the uh, 2017 Fort Lauderdale Airport terror attack. Remember that? Esteban Santiago Ruiz. And um, he fits into this last category that I described in terms of his delusions uh, telling him to become a terrorist. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? 
Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, uh, announcing uh, to you that I am. my book is about to come out in time for 9-11, the anniversary this year. And it's called Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's for it's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. It actually uh, helps um, parents and teachers and other grown-ups answer their questions. And it um, helps grown-ups understand how their child is feeling because there are different things that you can do. Actually, um, I give 88... Uh, things, 88 ideas for um, what you can do to uh, make your child more resilient, like I was mentioning at the beginning in terms of um, uh, preparing for a marathon. But these are things that are a lot of fun um, to do, not just, uh, you know, not, not all, not just serious stuff, but things to incorporate in, in your life which will have the impact of, like, for example, taking your children to the uh, 9-11 Memorial uh, Museum and also the 9-11 Tribute Center. There are also things you can do going even to just regular museums um, and using that as a way to uh, have a conversation about terrorism and not a... Uh, not a whole conversation, but doing to, as a way of looking at terrorism in, in a way that's not so scary. I mean, you kind of have to read the details, but um, but uh, so I, I wanted to, um, but before I, I get back into that, I know I'm so excited about my book. I started talking about that when I told you I was going to talk about Esteban Santiago Ruiz and, and the whole connection, how everything is connected here is that Terrorism, whether we like it or not, and of course we don't like it, terrorism is having a psychological impact on all of us, and it is especially having a psychological impact on our children. And I talked about the, the, uh, the psychiatrist in the U.K. who did a study about how the U.K. terror attacks uh, impacted the kids, and it you know, found a, a 10% increase in children seeking mental health services, and that's just you know, that's just those seeking the services. That's not all the children who were impacted. Uh, then, I, then I started to talk about the, um, the question of are terrorists crazy? And um, I was giving the different examples of how psychiatric disorders 
interact with terrorism. And I want to talk about uh, Esteban Ru- Santiago Ruiz, who was the Fort Lauderdale shooter, the airport shooting, remember that, January 2017. Uh, the significance of this is he was really uh, mentally ill. And he visited the FBI field office in Anchorage. He was living in Alaska. He went there in November of 2016, so just a few months before he committed the attack. And he told the people at this FBI office that the U.S. government was controlling his mind and making him watch videos by ISIS. And uh, that the CIA was forcing him to join ISIS. He he said that he was hearing voices... And these voices were telling him to commit acts of violence. Now, if, if he walked into my emergency room and told me these things, there would be no question but that, um, you know, he's, he's laying it all out there, folks. <laughs> but um, the FBI office people took him to a psychiatric hospital who totally missed this whole thing, let him go, did a, a cursory evaluation, let him go, didn't commit him, so then he was able to get his guns back. And what did he do? <laughs> a few months later, he got on a plane, went to Fort Lauderdale, and committed a, a single-shooter terror attack. So the bottom line to all of this is that the um, people, the, the psychiatrists, police, courts, need to have a better understanding of um, who people are, like being able to distinguish people who are mentally ill, who are radicalized, or people who are mentally ill and are acting under delusions, such as this man who heard voices telling him to commit a terrorist attack, and uh, real terrorists. Um, I mean, sometimes the outcome turns out to be the same, but if, if, if Esteban, if um, Mr. Ruiz um, had gotten psychiatric treatment, had been committed involuntarily, that attack in Fort Lauderdale would never have happened. And he certainly should have been committed involuntarily. He was giving those are the typical signs of someone who's schizophrenic and someone who has delusion, uh, command hallucinations. He said that, telling him to commit violent acts. And, and he connects it to ISIS. I mean, really? What more do you have to know? Let me, I just want to close with an example of one of the answers that I give in my book um, for grown-ups to give kids when they ask this particular question. I give lots of sample answers to the typical questions that kids will ask. Um, you can, of course, modify it to fit your personality or your beliefs and so on, but this at least is something to start from. So the most basic question is, will something bad happen to me? That's what kids want to know. So a grown-up can say, I would love to be able to promise that nothing bad will ever happen to you, but I will always tell you the truth, so I cannot promise this. In a way, something bad has already happened to all of us because we share the sadness of the families who have had loved ones killed or injured by the bad people called terrorists. But we can learn so much from what happened. We can learn to appreciate things we didn't pay attention to before, like how much we love each other, how beautiful our city is, what wonderful friends we have, and so many other things. So that's just an example. And the main thing is, like in the kids' part, uh, there are activities, it's interactive, they can do different activities related to terrorism and so on. It, it takes the scariness, it, it, it um, lessens 
uh, the scariness of it all. So I want to make sure to tell you where to go. Um, as I said, the book is going to be officially launched in New York near 9-11. Uh, you can get them wherever books are sold. You can also get them from my publisher's website, which is www.terrorismforkids.com. www.terrorism, the number four, kids.com. Um, you know, yes, is it radical? Even that website domain, Terrorism for Kids, people are going to go, what? Terrorism for Kids? We don't want our kids to know about terrorism. But obviously, you know, hopefully, saner heads will prevail. And um, I've given you a taste of some of the reasons today why, in fact, we need parents, teachers, people who care about the kids need to be the ones to explain this in a very delicate, sensitive way at a level that your particular child who you're talking to will understand. And not all at once. Like I even say that, you know, um, uh, not to necessarily, again, depends upon the chronological age and the psychological maturity and whether there are other psychological issues that are underlying. Like I was talking about whether um, a child who has asthma would be more vulnerable to the flu. So same way, if a child has already has some psychological issues, they will be more vulnerable to hearing about terrorism. So you need to do this in a very gentle, little-by-little kind of way and taking your, um, your cues from them. So um, also, it's now official. I officially have the trademark, uh, The Terrorist Therapist. So you can go to my website, um, that's terroristtherapist.com, www.terroristtherapist.com, and you will see there vlogs and um, blogs (laughs) and um, podcasts and media interviews and news um, of upcoming things, you know, maybe my coming to a bookstore near you um, and things like that, and you can contact me. So... um, so that's about it. I hope that you will, uh, I hope, of course, I hope you'll buy the book. But I hope, I mean, I'm trying to make it so that families, uh, I mean, I, I have on, on the website, uh, helping families keep calm and carry on. And that's essentially uh, my mission. I've been doing this since 9-11. I asked myself, what could I do as a psychiatrist? What legacy can I leave? What can I do to help the people in um, America? you know, to, to cope with terrorism. And then I wrote a book that was published in London, Coping with Terrorism, Dreams Interrupted. So really, internationally, I'm trying to help uh, people cope with this ongoing issue of this terrorist stress, the stress of terrorism, whether there's an attack anywhere near you, which, of course, I hope never happens, or just our bombardment with news about terrorism. So thank you uh, again for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 